Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All this time, thought you were satisfied. But I didn't know that you would want to leave. But don't you put out the happening everyone welcome back it is jay scott and it is the hook rocks thanks again for tuning in we always do appreciate you stopping by don't forget to write us a review when you're all done listening we always appreciate the feedback we also are part of the pantheon podcast network a great network of music related podcasts you can check out the official metallica podcast on pantheon pods and you can visit them on all social media apps like instagram twitter and facebook at pantheon pods as well as pantheonpodcast.com and you can do the same for The Hook Rocks on all three of those platforms. Just search up The Hook Rocks. And don't forget to set your app to automatic download so you get the latest episodes right to your phone. And all the awesome episodes we've had recently, we just welcomed rock journalist Andrew Daly from Guitar World talking about the legacy of Buddy Guy. So check that out. It was a great episode. We talked with Tracy Guns on the anniversary of Eddie Van Halen's passing about his friendship with Eddie which was a great conversation. We also welcomed some new bands like Parker Barrow and Emily Wolf, who's set to go on tour in the UK with the Gaslight Anthem. And we just welcomed our friend Clay Dieters from the Minnesota band Rogue Royal. So check all those out and more. We just celebrated our 400th episode and five-year anniversary. And we've got a return guest today, one of my favorite guests, one of my favorite guitar players in the new wave of rock. Just tasteful playing so good to hear his his playing on this new record by the band dirty honey as you know love this band love the album i I have to say the first song on the record just puts you in a groove and it doesn't let up till the album ends and our guest today john Nato, the guitar player what's happening man how are you hey man i'm good glad to be alive you know and uh we're up here in uh Montreal, Canada, doing a nice. show tonight, and uh, yeah, 
feeling good. Tour's going well. Awesome, man. I'll see you in Chicago, I think, next week. Oh, cool. Yeah. We, we always look forward to Chicago. Yeah, Chicago's a great place, man. It's a great audience to play and the home of the blues, man. Home of the Chicago blues. So, got to check out. You what, you, you, I know, I know. Yeah. You know, it's funny, Chicago, man. Any Chicago's got something in the water. Like, hey, you can look at some guy, you just look like a dad, and you can pick up a guitar and play a decent chorus on the blues. <laughs> it's so true. It's, in, it's, so true. it's in the water over there, man. Well, you got Chess Records. You got Chicago Music Exchange, which is just like a cathedral of, of music. It's just, man, I, I, yeah. I took my son there and he walked in. And he's like, Dad, is this what heaven looks like? I'm like, I think so. I think it does. So that's, that's, a, that's a guitar player in the making right there. Yes, it is. So the new album, man, I got to tell you, um, anticipating it for a while, looking forward to it, hit play when I when I got it. and. Like I said, with the first song, Don't Put Out the Fire, it just sets you up, puts you in a mood, puts you in a groove. And, you know, I debated with this conversation to just tell you how great your guitar playing is is on this album for 25 minutes. But (laughs) we could do that. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But it's such a fantastic album. It really is. And from the last record you did a few years ago, there's, I mean, do you hear a different band? I mean, it's obviously Dirty Honey. Sounds like you guys. But just the level that you guys are at now compared to the album previous, which was a fine, fantastic record. Do you feel that as well? Absolutely, yeah. And I think I was yearning for it. Um, <clears throat> I think we... Oh, I don't even know where to start. I think just after that record, the that you're talking about where our first full length, but really in our minds, our second effort um, because of the EP that came first, I think in our minds and specifically me, uh, that was one chapter, those first two albums. Um, And when it was over and we started the process, which really almost starts just internally talking, thinking just, when we started the process of working on this record, I felt like my moniker was what's next. You know, how, how do we, there's more music in us um, than we've even shown. Uh, so let's try to get there, you know? And, uh, the operative word is try because what you really try to do is, is have it be natural and not try too hard because that's when it's good. So it starts with, I felt like, I felt like it for me, it started with just saying it around everybody, you know, like, yeah, we got to, you know, putting it out in the airwaves around the guys and, you know, just starting that culture that, we need to grow and uh and we can grow and it's there we just need to start that open that door that channel and listening to this record i'm very happy with our first effort with that mm-hmm. i guess to give it some context the contrast would be on the 
LP, the first record, <clears throat> I think we were, our mindset more was, in some cases, quite literally, to continue some of the lanes we started with the EP. You know, there were songs we felt that followed the When I'm Gone lane. We, there were songs we felt that followed the Rolling Sevens lane. We ever songs that we felt followed the Scars lane. You know, um, Take My Hand. We felt that Another Last Time followed the Down the Road lane. So we felt like we had this language that we had started and we were continuing in. Um, so not that it was recreative. It did have a spark, absolutely. But for me, it almost felt like we thought we knew, we thought we knew how to do it already. I wouldn't say we were cocky, but we were like, all right, we had, a, we had a couple hit songs, like a number one, a number three. Like we, we know how, we know what our formula is. Let's, you know, let's, in, let's implement it. And um, once that played its course, I think the new excitement came from, okay, now how do we, expand that formula how do we how do we, how do we add more to it without being you know not without adding complications but how do we add more to it and so i'm just so pleased with the result of that energy you know with this album you know that takes a lot of self-awareness not just for the band but for you as a player right of knowing you have to grow because there are artists out there who reach a certain level of success and they're like, all right, let's just play it safe because the people like us and people dig us, you know, but having that self-awareness, it's almost like, you know, uh, a team, a sports team kind of like self scouts themselves. Like here we're at, here's what we need to do to grow. Here's what we need to do to get better. Here's what we need to do to get to the next level. When you realize that and you're having those conversations within the band internally, uh -huh. How does that change your approach with the instrument, with your playing? Is it adding on to what you already are good at, or is it just rethinking the instrument? You know, in a weird way, it's actually neither. It was actually, um, you know, you brought up some good points. It's like, <clears throat> there can be the thought of like, we don't want to be this artist that just gets happy with the thing that it succeeded and keeps regurgitating it. Or, you know, how do we challenge ourselves like the sports team? But really what it was, was actually, let me not think about anyone else. And let me actually be more me than we've been, you know? Um, and that gave all the answers it, it needed to because what it really was was me going, there is more variety to me than what we've shown so far. And that's not to speak against anything we created. We started in a lane. And I always felt that starting in, in a specific place is really important, you know? And so that's why our first records are, are great because if you we did feel if we start with too much variety you're sort of all over the place and people don't know where you are but if you start somewhere specific people know who you are and what you do and then um <clears throat> and then they can go on the journey with you 
you know, and you take it slowly, you know, you don't make extreme turns. And, and I just knew that there was, that was already there. So that gave me the answer I needed was like, rather than comparing myself to anyone else and what they did, it was more like, well, this would be the most honest thing I could do, which is like, you know, include some of the planning that you hear on, you make it all right, or uh, Rebel Sun. Um, and for Justin, I think it was, you know, bringing forth a song that shows his, um, you know, kind of classical finger picking on the acoustic guitar, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, and, and then with that first song, you know, Don't Put Out the Fire, that the fact that we, we can really groove and let that be the thing and, and, um, let that, that be what carries a song, you know, cause I don't think we had that yet. We have groove in all the songs we do, but there's always a, a, a really, uh, pronounced rock and roll riff, you know? And again, it's, it's not a diss to anything we do. It's just like a, but we also feel this, you know? And then the challenge becomes, and it's a fun challenge is with each idea that kind of pushes the boundaries of your style. When you're finishing up, when you're finishing it off in the studio, the challenge becomes bringing it back in so that it sounds like us doing a groove song, us doing an acoustic song, us doing a gospel, you know, you make it all right thing. And um, that's a long convoluted answer. Maybe the sound bite is simply, I just, rather than compare myself to other people and what they've done or not done, I just ask myself, what more do I have to offer regardless of what anyone's done? And how can I make it work for this band? And I think everybody got on page with that. And that's how we were able to come up with this variety. It's actually just truly us. What's evident with this album, what I picked on almost immediately, picked up almost immediately, I should say, is... You can pick on it. (laughs) Is... There's a lot more subtlety in the playing with the whole band. Like, oh, explain. Well, like, let's let's start with the first track, right? I mean, like, there's things yeah. that are layered in there that you hear, but like when you kind of like isolate it and you just listen to things specific, whether it's your playing, whether it's the drummers, whether it's it's the it's the bass on that. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot more like subtlety to the playing, but it. It works. It's it's like it. I compare it to when when Joe Perry goes into the break and, and sick as a dog, right? And there's that breath between the notes. It's subtlety, mm-hmm. right? It's, it, it's very like that. Not to say it sounds like that, but it's very the the subtlety of the approach. Yeah, the approach. And I like that because obviously, you know, you guys came out with your debut album and you did the EP and. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, you want to, you want to set the tone for, for your fans and whatever. But I also like it when a band kind of just strips it down and has that subtlety that is just as powerful as, you know, a power riff or, 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 you know. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, I really appreciate Absolutely. That. Yeah. That was great. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And like I said, you know, it, As much as it was for the sake of variety, I do feel it was more for the sake of knowing that we have that in an honest way from a soulful place. We have that to offer. So why exclude it just for the sake of branding? Do you know what I'm saying? So, and then within that, 
journey became a fun challenge to make it fit with the brand. Let me give you an example. When we're doing You Make It All Right, that song was like a goosebumps just happened in the rehearsal space because everyone was feeling good. We were in my rehearsal space and everybody was in a good mood and Mark was feeling especially free. Um, and, you know, he was just like singing stuff, sitting there at the roads. You know, he doesn't really play roads, but he was splinking out notes. And he was like, what would you guys play under this melody? And then we, that song just happened, you know? And it was like this hive mind moment. And it was really gospel influenced at that point. And, but the whole form just took place. We hit record and then we all, I sent it to everybody that night and we were all texting each other. We had goosebumps. People were crying. It was like a really, a real emotion happened amongst four guys where not one person was inserting his will over the others. And there was no lead man being like, this is my riff and here's how I envisioned it. It was just total group effort. Right. So you have that nucleus, but it was very gospel. And so when it came time to record it properly in the studio, this is that fun challenge I'm talking about. And it was my turn. We had the bass and the drums were done. We had a lead vocal on it. It's like, okay, let's, and we had the keyboards on it. It's like, all right, what's the flavor? What's the final tweak? flavor that I can put on these guitars that takes it a little bit out of like us kind of being wannabe gospel and actually like dirty honey playing with these influences. And so I started thinking of people like, Oh, the solo, who can I mix that? I love, you know? And it was like, I thought of like knocking on heaven's door slash, but then at the same time, my love of David Lindley and anything he did on Jackson Brown. So, and I, Nick loves that kind of, vagueness so it's just me and nick at that point and he loves it when i get saying that stuff he's like yeah yeah go for it yeah yeah you know and he's very good at making sure i don't play too many notes um and uh that then as we started to do that then it started to be like oh you know what this is more like uh this is coming out more like bob seeger which is even closer to us but Bob Seeger pulls from a lot of that gospel blues. So then now it was like, okay, I see how, how us is in this context. Um, I don't know if that made any sense, but it, no, it does. It absolutely does. Yeah. I guess the it helps. Yeah. It starts I, I, in one place and then you start, you know, it starts at its core thing. You know, it'd be like if, if we, if we, Hey, if we if if we came up with a reggae groove, probably the first version would be very reggae. But by the time we finished it with a producer, you know, presuming it was Nick, that would be the challenge. I'd be like, okay, let's let's reel it in to sound like us actually really feeling this groove, not like a cover band or some band that's just too too much variety. And so that was what was really fun about having these songs that you know stretched us i guess yeah and, and i imagine the you know the follow-up question i have for that i imagine that this this approach or this experience is i think made you guys tighter i think it made you guys i think it was an important step for the band to kind of have all this going on where you know you, you mentioned like the different lanes you went down in the previous albums but you kind of encapsulated all 
with subtlety, with the things that people know you can do and have it all wrapped up into one. Yeah. That is, that is, that is the true evolution that artists strive for, in my opinion. Well, and I'm proud that also, you know, we, we were kind of leaving one aspect out in this conversation and it's happening a lot and I'm happy about it, but uh, you know, the variety and the growth is the big discussion of this record, which I'm so happy about. But also, look, we're giving people a good dose of what they know we do already. And I think we, we gave some honest efforts that, where we weren't trying to recreate anything. You know, like, like Won't Take Me Alive wasn't trying to be some, uh, it wasn't trying to fill a lane of previous songs we had. You know, Ride On wasn't satisfied and take, get a little high might be kind of in that, you know. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. But they might be kind of in the when I'm gone-ish lane, but we weren't thinking that. They happen naturally, so... That's why we gave them the green light, you know, because they have they have that feeling. Especially once we were done with them, that's that's the final green light, you know. When we really get done, we we have songs to choose from. Um, yeah, we yeah. go with the ones that feel great. When you think of those songs, or you think of the song like Rome, you know, which is just an absolutely yeah. wonderful song. I just I think I mentioned this in the last time we talked. The most unsatisfying thing about the last record 
was how short it was. Cause <laughs> yeah, that was the big comment. You, you, yeah. you wanted more, like, I want more, I want more. And yep. And, and kind of flip that is with all that's going on with this and the growth of the band, this for a dirty honey fan is very satisfying. It is very fulfilling. Yeah. Um, because it does, you know, the songs, I mean, the album is, is, so, is, is the same and also different than the, than the debut LP and the EP. Yep. But, yep. you know, I always love it when a band takes a chance and, and tries to do things to grow, but it's got to be natural, right? I mean, people can sniff out lack of authenticity right away. And that's one of the oh, things, yeah. you know, yep. just about the playing, about the songs is this, this is very authentic and it, it is so good. I mean, I did not know what to expect. I'm like, you know, what what do we got here? And I I, I put it in, and I'm like, I before I went on to song number two because I did this with a lot with the album. I listened to the first track like six times in a row. I'm like, this is so. Fun. Oh, I love that. Yeah, so that's great. Good. Yeah, you can't even get to, past the first track. That's cool. I could get past past the first track for like yeah. a half hour, and uh, <laughs> oh, that's cool. I love that. I did, yeah, it took me it took me literally like three hours to listen to the album because I kept like. I need to hear that again. That was really good. So, oh man, fuck yeah, yeah. You know, I forgot to mention too. I, one of the subtle drivers of the whole thing was, like you said, uh, about being satisfied with the with the output. We were. It was definitely on our minds. It was like, all right, it's time to put out a traditionally full length effort. You know, we 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 did make an attempt at it with the with the LP. I think we recorded eleven or twelve ideas. But again, we're a bit perfectionist when it comes to songs. We're pretty much like a no throwaway band because um, it's digital era. You know, a lot of bands put throwaways on the vinyl because they needed to fill space because people would feel weird if they looked at the record and the, the grooves didn't go all the way to the outside. Right. So, you know, or same with tape and CD. You know, it's like fill it. So in this in our era, we're like, we don't really have to fill it. Why would you make filler? I mean, yeah, you want to look and go, ooh, there's 17 tracks. But if, if six of them are, are a waste, put out 11. And so that's literally what we did on this one. We also did that on the LP, the Cream album, the first album. Um, I, like I said, we we recorded 11 or 12. And we eventually said, these eight is a perfect record. And we knew people were going to say, like, Okay, you're gonna tell me six songs is an EP and eight is an LP, and I, I was like, oh, look, Back in Black has nine songs. Like, 1984 is nine songs, like, or ten, you know. Like, so I was like, it's not that far off, you know. But we stand by it. It was just like that was a great effort. But coming into this one, that was that was part of it. It was like it's time. It's time to to give people something at length to listen to. And uh, maybe, maybe it, you know, s- sitting back and, and looking at all of it, it's just been our process. You know, we I think we finally came to the full length album on the terms we wanted by by being so picky in the first. You know, now we're just learning how to be that picky, but put more out. You know, we were that picky on the EP, and the mo- the most we could muster was six. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and also we you're kind of watching us become artists. I think that's the maybe the hidden thing about Dirty Honey. A lot of bands in the history of bands 
that had like a great first record, you you're listening to like their first five years of effort of forming. And so they had all this time with no pressure to write the best albums, you know, and then you watch the albums degrade. But with us, you heard that with one song when I'm gone had its years to percolate, but then it was like, okay, kids write a real record. Cause we're putting this thing on the radio and you got to be something. And then we was like, Oh man, so I'm proud of us. We we're a bit up against the wall with the EP. Yeah. And then, you know, with the LP, we had more time. We were on the road. And so it's kind of been this growth of keeping those standards of each song, feeling like it's not a throwaway, but being able to get more material done. Because in the beginning, when you're that picky, it's just, it goes slower. You just, you know. We I, we would tour with these bands and they'd be like, oh man, you know, our first album, we had a hundred songs to, to go through. And I was like, really? A hundred? There's no way that even 75 of those are good. Like, really? Like, when you look at the, like, what are your standards? And I'm not even critiquing them, but I'm like, what are your standards for a song? Like, I mean, when you really boil it down, people people's legendary careers comes down to if you're a legend it comes down to what five or less amazing songs <laughs> unless you're the beatles you know I, you know ones that are going to get spun every day yeah. on the radio you know on classic rock radio you know and then band and then if there are it, what makes them legends is that their b-sides are also good but they wouldn't be radio worthy Guns N' Roses is a great example, you know. Every night, people want to hear Estranged. It's not a radio song, but it's amazing, you know. Um, they have that catalog that fits their their unique, only they could have it genre. And then they have their hits, you know. So it's kind of like 100 songs, and I've never even heard of you guys. Like, what do you... You know, there's probably... I, I we started to we started to develop this thing where we we hear bands and we'd look at each other and be like, "Wow, there was one great riff in that. They should get rid of everything else and start with that." <laughs> and but what what I'm really trying to explain is that that's how we started to develop our process. Not just when we were writing, but when we were listening to people. It's just it's just as important to listen to the masters as it, or I should say it's the other way. It's just as important to listen to the amateurs or the guys in your lane trying to come up as it is the masters. You know. I saw this this interview with Dave Chappelle and he was talking like on Friday nights he'd go see the the, the touring comics come in and then on and he'd learn a whole bunch. And then on Tuesday night he'd go to the open mic. He's like, that's where I learned what not to do. <laughs> but he was learning nonetheless. Yeah. He's like, that bombed. This guy's bombing. Why is he bombing? What's he doing wrong? And I think we we would kind of get into that mindset too and in, in a non cruel way, just in a like a like, all right, like this song lost me. Except the end, they had that sick riff. They should just ditch the whole song and start over that riff. You know what I mean? You know, things like that. And so when they, when bands like that would say they wrote so many songs, we were like, I don't, I think you've got like, out of the, your first 10 songs is really two. If you're talking good, good, you know? And that's something maybe we had to learn too as musicians to stop being so, to stop being so musician-y about it. And be more songwriting about it. 
And in that respect, just because you're jamming and it's got energy and you're in time, it doesn't mean it's a good song. You just have fun playing because you're we're good players. Yeah, I think when you get to have like seventy-five songs like that, like how do you know? How do you know like which songs which at one point? You know, it's one thing if you're like, hey, the guitarist got sixty riffs and the you know lyricist got a, a notebook of lyrics, but as a band, you know, I think we were just it, we're moving slow you know, in respect to some of those classic bands, but we're, or a lot of bands, we're moving slow in our output, but it's because of, we kind of have this like all killer, no filler mentality. And that sounds cocky to be like, my whole record is all killer, you know, but like, uh, it's just a mindset, I guess, you know, we hope that you could feature any one of those songs on the record if 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 we wanted to. We know that won't happen. We know radio is not going to pick up. You make it all right. But if I play it for you, you're not going to be like, okay, well, you know, unless you just hate soft songs. But yeah, you're not going to be disappointed. You're going to be engaged. You know, it's it's like a kid going to get Halloween candy in a bag for Halloween, and he goes, he dumps out the candy, and he goes, just give me the Kit Kats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know I mean? yeah. yeah. We, we were like, yeah, but what if you got Kit Kats and you got Snickers and then you got some good side piece? You got a little, you know, Sour Patch Kids. You got, you know, and then you're looking at like, oh, I can bounce back from one to the other, and that's actually and then, like you said about this time's background at the beginning, the whole thing becomes an experience. You know? Yeah. That being said, you know, I, 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 I think the LP from front to back is just a good couple beers like front to back listen you know just a rock and roll record straight up rock and i think the ep is just a good statement thing it's like hey we got a heavy song hey we got a dark song hey we got a big black rosy ballad hey we got this swinging rolling sevens thing and then when i'm gone it's a great kick the barn door open thing um i don't need i don't even know we felt like that was our best song but we knew it was the right start well, one of the things about Can't Find the Breaks is it's a incredible driving song. All rock albums have to go through the car test. And yeah, totally. Yeah. When you're driving, and this passes with flying colors. I mean, it is a awesome cruising yeah. album. So yeah. it's it's out. It's for everybody to listen to. It's a fantastic record. Uh, you got to listen to it. For those listening to this interview, go listen to it right when this interview is finished because it's absolutely incredible. Well, listen, you know, I appreciate you tolerating my long-winded answers. <laughs> anytime, man. Anytime. You're always a welcome guest. You're always a great guest. I, I thank you again for doing this. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. And, uh, you know, keep on keeping on. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Absolutely. That is John Nato of the band Dirty Honey. Go get their album out October 27th. So it's right there, primed and ready for you to listen on all streaming services. But get the physical copy, too, as well, because you should always have the album tangible and be able to hold it and feel it when you're listening, because it's all part of the art form. I love it. It's a great album. This has been another episode of The Hook Rocks. Thanks again to John Nato. I am Jay Scott. Thank you very much. Take care of each other. Stay safe. And we will talk soon.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 